Hello, everyone. Welcome to the RSS 4242 Lecture on the Go podcast, a way for you to prepare for class discussion if you prefer audio format or just trying to prep while rushing between activities in your busy lives. Today, we are going to review some basic terms. For those of you who wish to follow along on the slides I've provided on D2L, these would be the Lecture 3 prep work slides. For me, considering the terms to introduce the class to is an interesting example of how our knowledge and understanding of gender-related issues has evolved over time. When I first taught a gender course, uh, I was a doctoral student at the University of Waterloo. It was the summer of 2000, before most of you were even born. Um, I did not teach about gender identity and gender expression. There was limited knowledge of the lived experiences of individuals who are trans in leisure and sport contexts and otherwise. So it's been really important to me throughout my career to pay attention to the language that is being used and the concepts that are being brought into gender studies literature and into the leisure and sport world so that I ensure that um, the class is relevant. Having said that, as much as I pay attention, um, if there are terms that you were hoping that I might define or that we would discuss in class, I invite you and I encourage you to just reach out and let me know that you're curious about something. So we're going to get started with the definition of sex. And um, we're not talking about sex the verb. Um, we're talking about sex as a state of being, male or female, accor according to biological and reproductive characteristics. And generally, when individuals are born, um, someone in the room where they are born in uh, announces that they are male or female. And that is based on uh, a quick examination of the naked body and what it shows. This becomes a little bit more complex for those individuals that may be born uh, intersex. And so I, I want to be very careful that we don't uh, simply think about sex in terms of just being male or female, that it's one or the other, because that leaves out individuals who may be born with a condition where their reproductive or sexual anatomy doesn't fit with the typical definitions of male and female. And sometimes this is not apparent to individuals until later in their life. Um, so they may have a penis, but they also have a uterus. And um, that isn't evident the moment that someone is born. So just be, be aware uh, that intersex does come into play when we're thinking about what is sex and then what's the difference between sex and gender. So gender, uh, we're looking at patterns of behaviors. And those patterns of behaviors that are recognized as masculine or feminine. And those behavior patterns are socially and culturally created and learned. I want to say a couple of things about that. Um, because it is socially constructed, 
gender different differs between societies and across the social, ethnic, and cultural groups within societies. So that means that for a single individual, gender behaviors change over time and in different social contexts. The way that you behave as feminine or masculine within a sport context might be different than how you behave in a masculine or feminine way with your family or with your friends. So in this way, gender is a process where we're open to it being adapted by various individuals and groups. I also want to mention that uh, we, t we live in a gender stratified society. And because of that, we see that men's work, their activities, and the way that they express themselves tend to be valued higher. And so we are also aware of how gendered behaviors can influence access to power, advantage, and that can influence the pattern of behavior that we engage in. And then finally, I want to explain or to emphasize that gender is also described as a structural category because it influences structures. Um, and so this gets us thinking about the fact that gender is not just an individual characteristic that describes individual people, but that ideas about gender are inscribed in organizations, in social relations that we have, and even in our legislative systems. And we're receiving messages um, about gender every day in these uh, structures. So the main point that I want to make here is that gender is dynamic. Uh, you're not just uh, engaging in sort of a process of gender socialization when you're a child and then you're done. Um, and if we're going to respond effectively as practitioners, whether it be in a sport, recreation, healthcare, education context, we need to acknowledge and explore how our own genders have been constructed and how our understandings about genders shape those personal identities that we have, but also our uh, professional identities or future professional identities for those of you who are imagining careers in certain professions. So on the next slide, for those of you who are following along, um, there is some discussion about what gender identity is. And this is one sense of belonging um, to either a male category or a female category. And this isn't something that is necessarily visible because this is related to how people think about themselves. And that may not align with what society expects 
their gender identity to be based on their assigned sex at birth. The next uh, term is cisgender. And again, this is a concept that I wasn't really talking about uh, when I first taught gender, uh, leisure, and sport as a doctoral student. But we see this term being used a lot now in, in mass media and popular culture. And so it refers to a person whose gender identity and biological identity that's assigned at birth align. So you identify as a man or male, and you were assigned male at birth. Gender fluid is a gender identity best described as dynamic, meaning it exists on a spectrum and varies over time. So an individual may not, um, they may feel like a mix of the two traditional genders, but may feel more male-like or identify more with masculine characteristics some days and feminine characteristics on other days. Um, and this is different from our gender identity changing over time where uh, this might happen over a period of time. Gender fluid uh, individuals describe it as something that they move back and forth along uh, a spectrum in terms of um, how, they, how they feel. Gender nonconforming is a gender expression descriptor that identifies a non-traditional gender presentation. So perhaps uh, a masculine woman or a feminine man. And uh, a gender identity label that indicates, another way of thinking about it, sorry, is uh, as a gender identity label that indicates a person who identifies outside of the gender binary. And we see on forms now, if, if people are asking about gender on an intake form, maybe for hospital appointments, um, participating in sport, there'll be male, female, uh, other, those who may identify as non-binary might check or, sorry, identify as gender non-conforming, which could be non-binary, um, might check the other. Some more progressive sport and recreation organizations have included the term non-binary instead of other so that there is less of an emphasis on othering people that don't fit into those two traditional uh, gender presentation categories. The next slide that, uh, for those of you that are following along, that is in the slide deck is of the gender-bred person. And it really, I like this diagram as a way of helping us think about 
all of these different terms and what they mean. So you can see that gender identity, it's pointing to the brain of the gender-bred person. Uh, for those of you who are just listening, just imagine uh, a gingerbread cookie, um, sort of an ambiguous shape, um, and that's what the picture is. And then it points to these different pieces of the gender-bred person uh, to explain. So the identity is pointing to the brain to emphasize, again, that this is how you think about your um, and, and how you define your gender. Gender expression is how you present your gender through the way that you behave, your clothing, your demeanor. Um, and those are only a few examples of uh, your gender expression. Then we have sex, and it kind of points to the genitalia area of the human being. And so, again, emphasizing that this is about uh, a physical trait, biological traits that define uh, whether you're male, female, or as I mentioned earlier, intersex. And then the heart um, is identified as attraction. And this is how you find yourself feeling drawn uh, or not drawn to some other people. Um, and it can be sexual, romantic, or other ways. So I think this image is very powerful in helping us to think and distinguish between gender identity, expression, what is sexuality or attraction, um, and keeping in mind that gender identity is not equivalent to gender expression, which is an equivalent to sex, and gender and sexual orientation are not the same thing. So I encourage you to um, have a look at this, this image and this handout because I think it's a, a, a really good summary of how to think about these different concepts. And then finally, the last slide has four more terms that I want to introduce you to. Gender roles, I think most people um, don't really struggle with understanding. It's the cultural expectations of one's behavior as being appropriately male or female. So these also have changed over time as gender is socially constructed and reconstructed. So what might have been culturally acceptable for men and women to do in the 50s, the 90s, and 2023 vary. Heteronormativity. Um, this is the assumption that everyone is heterosexual and that heterosexuality is superior to all other sexualities. And this leads to the invisibility and stigmatization of other sexualities. Um, so for example, often when people find out that I am married, they ask me what my husband's name is. I happen to be married to a man, so that question isn't necessarily um, off-putting to me. And I also 
get to experience the privilege of falling within these cultural expectations. However, imagine being a woman and you're married to another woman and you're asked what your husband's name is. Um, that, that experience that that individual is having is one of heteronormativity. Um, and it, it essentially leads us into assuming that um, masculine men uh, and feminine women are straight. So it gets into stereotypes as well. Hegemony is the social, cultural, ideological, and economic influence that is exerted by a dominant group. So in this class, we will talk about things like hegemonic masculinity as we think about what are the dominant images that we have of what it is to be male. Um, but the idea of hegemony uh, exists across other, other types of things. It's not just specifically a gender term. It's meant to refer to anything where the influence is exerted by a dominant group. And then finally, discourses are the ways in which everyday issues are talked about uh, and enacted and practiced. And so we can think about discourses as what is showing up in the media, what is showing up in magazines, what are we seeing in the movies and the TV shows that we watch. Um, how do we see our friend group or uh, our fellow athletes talk about particular issues? All of those things are what can be labeled as discourses. That brings us to the end of our podcast for today. I'm hoping that you found it helpful and that you feel prepared for discussion in our next class. Please do not hesitate to bring any questions you have with you, and I'll look forward to seeing you in our next class. Have a great day.